Hey, Pagalayevsi to Real Indigenous. I'm Angela, and we have just finished wrapping up the Teton Trade Cloth Fashion Summit. And I'm here with one of the selected designers. If you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Millie Bigler. I am Yuchi and Menominee. Um, I grew up in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, and then after that, I went to OU, um, got my mechanical engineering degree there. Um, since graduation, I've been living in the Oklahoma City area. Um, I work for an architecture and engineering company. Um, and then, as Angela said, I am the designer behind Stitch by Millie. Which had an incredible showing at the summit. I hope everybody was able to get there. If not, you can find her on social media. I think all of your designs are up for grabs, right? Um, yeah, so I've actually sold several of them. I do have a couple left. Um, and I am on Instagram, Stitched by Millie. And thank you to Angela for being one of my lovely models. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first time in a really, really long time modeling. And it was so fun. And your, your clothes were so... I, th I have to say, looking back at the pictures of everything, I can I tell you how much I appreciate you using traditional garments as the basis of your designs. I mean, it's, I really, I mean, there was some gorgeous, gorgeous clothes, but, but the, but seeing these traditional designs coming down the runway, I mean, really stood out to me and it meant a lot, I thought, to really indigenize that space. So congratulations <laughs> on a great show. Thank you. And thank you for saying that. Yeah, that's something that I definitely try really hard to do, um, to be intentional about um, taking, you know, elements of our traditional designs and um, bringing them into like a, for like this fashion show, like bring them to like a really modern, taking modern takes on our traditional designs. Uh, and, you know, traditionally like indigenous people, they've always been innovators. They've always been really good artists. So I think that's just like, something that comes really natural to me and I think a lot of other Native artists um, is, you know, being like in a modern world, but keeping those elements of our, um, like for me, my specific tribe, so Yuchi, um, so we're a Southeastern tribe. So if anybody hasn't heard of Yuchi before, we're enrolled with the Muscogee Creek Nation. Um, we do have like our own distinct language and we have a similar culture, but um, there are distinctions about that. So that's something that I was really excited about the show to be able to show off. Um, you know, Yuchi designs the Southeastern um, designs for everybody to see. <laughs> kind of describe what that looks like for our listeners since since we're an audio <laughs> podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, um, so for our designs, um, so there's kind of, um, so we have like our women's and our men's designs. So for the women's, like our traditional women's dresses, um, they had like the ruffles on the bottom, um, we use a lot of calico, so like um, small flower fabric in our, um, if you look at more historical garments. Um, and then, um, so for our dresses as well, we have um, what's called a yoke. So it's the, like the collar area. Um, we have ruffles on there. So several of my tops that I used all had like kind of ruffled tops or like elements of the ruffle on the tops. And then for our men, we have um, what usually can referred to as like hunting jackets or sometimes now they're referred to as green corn jackets a lot of times so 
if you look at the pictures of the ones I did, so I did a red jacket um, and red is one of our traditional colors. Those jackets are a lot of times red. Um, so doing that with the collar on the back um, and then I used um, so the Teton fabric so that that fabric was by a Cherokee designer. So another Southeastern um, design and it was kind of like a like a basket design is the best way I could describe it. And so kind of molding all those together into um, a jacket that is if you look at our historical jackets, say like the, from the 1800s, it looked very similar to that. But then it's also I loved it that it was based on the historical jacket, but it also looks really modern and really sleek. And, you know, something um, my dad commented to me like, oh, this is something that you would see like a tribal councilman wearing or someone wearing to like, you know, these big conferences. So I thought that was really cool. A hundred percent. I mean, that jacket was a showstopper. I mean, he walked out and everybody was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was a really fun jacket to make. So I've made, um, that was my first time making an adult jacket like that. Um, and then I've made um, for my nephew. So a lot of my sewing that I've done has been for my family, um, for our ceremonies and stuff. So I've made my nephew jackets as he's kind of grown bigger. He's a teenager now. And then, um, so it was really cool to make that historical that jacket. And then I also, um, when getting inspired by that jacket, I looked back at a lot of, um, there's a collection, there was a collector in like the late 1800s to early 1900s, Frank Speck, who collected a lot of um, jackets from the Uchi tribe. And so I looked at pictures of those, like those are in different museum collections. So um, looking at that to kind of like see those historical elements kind of imitating some of that um, Versus kind of our, we use those very similar jackets now, but now people usually have ruffles all the way around the edge. So again, very similar, but just kind of how they've evolved since then. It's really cool to look at and really cool from like a historical and aspect to, you know, know where we've come from in our designs versus where we are now. Yeah, that's very cool. Now, okay, so you did all this research. How do you start your process of coming up with the design out of your brain? Yeah, so a lot of times um, I really get inspired by the fabric first. So since this was the Teton um, trade cloth show, uh, most or all of my um, designs had some element of the Teton fabric in there. So they have the broadcloth fabric and then they also have their like artist cotton fabrics. Um, I love that Teton works with indigenous artists. Um, so all of their designs are all by native people. And Teton is now a, a native owned company, which is really cool. Um, so a lot of my designs, I kind of picked out the fabrics that I wanted, um, picked out like, you know, varying amounts of uh, different colors and stuff like that, um, and then started building off of those and getting inspired by those. Um, and then, like you said, for the jacket, I looked at that historic, I knew that I wanted to make a jacket. And so um, when I saw, so Kenny Glass is the designer that made that fabric that I was talking about. I love, he's a seamstress as well, as well as a designer. Um, and so looking at that, I know I like that fabric. I knew it. I love the red. And so kind of just molding those all together was really fun. And then I also had like a strawberry um, themed outfit. So I don't yeah. know, really recently I've just like loved strawberry designs. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that, that yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. So I actually saw that fabric um, at a fabric store before I knew that I it was between after I had applied but before I knew that it was accepted so I saw that and I was like oh I love this fabric like if I make if I um, get to do the show I'm using this fabric so found out I was doing it and then I was like okay now I gotta figure out how to make an outfit out of that <laughs> one so I made um like an lace overlay skirt and then it had a matching um 
broadcloth uh, purse that went with it. And I did a little strawberry applique on the purse. So that was really fun to make. Yeah. Applique, it is not easy. I have done <laughs> it with, with my quilting and it makes me want to tear my hair out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be very, very, very intense process, but um, it's, applique is actually something I've been doing since I was young. So I learned to sew from my mom and she has done a lot of like applique work. Um, and so my mom's Menominee. And so um, their traditional um, garments use a lot of, um, so it's like a Woodlands tribe. So they use a lot of applique in their different stuff. So she knew how to do that, taught me how to do that. And I don't do it as much as I do like ribbon skirts and stuff, but I do do applique often. And it's been a learning process to figure out how to really make those, um, make that like an easier thing to do and how to like stabilize it and everything. So that way it turns out good and doesn't get all bunched up and everything. (laughs) Yeah, is she the one that got you into sewing? Yes. Yeah, so I learned how to sew from her when I was young. So I think I was like seven or eight when I started um, sewing with the sewing machine. Um, she makes, she does make clothing, but she also is really, really good at making quilts. So she's made a lot of um, quilts throughout her life. So like star quilts, she's made like different applique quilts. Um, some that are like, I think they're called like pieced quilts, where it's just like different designs, like the way that you make it. So she's a really good seamstress, taught me how to sew and just learned how from hers from a young age, um, just watching her sew all throughout my life. <laughs> and what what kind of equipment do you use when you're sewing? So um, so I use a sewing machine um, It's like my main. I do all of it on a sewing machine. I don't I'm not really very good at doing hand sewing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I have a serger now. So I actually within the last year, got my serger and um, it was something that was like kind of intimidating to me. Cause it was like, it seemed really complicated. There's lots of different threads, two needles, like it just seemed really complicated. But then once I got in kind of, you know, watched some YouTube videos about how to thread it and everything. Now I love it. And I'm like, why did I wait so long? Cause I've been sewing, <laughs> I've been sewing for a long time. So I'm like, gosh, I got this a long time ago. Um, and then, you know, like, uh, the rotary cutters, I use that like a whole lot. Like I cut everything basically with my rotary cutter so it can be straight. I'm very, um, I think my engineering brain comes into that. Like I had, yeah. everything has to be straight. Everything <laughs> has to be measured. Um, and so that, and then I, the other big thing that I use all the time when I'm sewing that people may not think about is like my iron. So I like iron everything um, that helps me keep everything straight, keep everything even. Um, and then, you know, you need an iron for like the appliques. I'll do like a lightweight, feasible, um, material to like put on the appliques to cut them out and everything and then iron them on before I sew them down yeah or do you use the wash away kind or um no it's like it just stays in there it's like Like a lightweight though yeah yeah because that's something that I'm learning as I start my quilting journey is what kind of interfacing to use and when to use it and yeah (laughs) how to not get it all over the bottom of your iron (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's definitely something that comes as a learning process um, and something that I've uh, within the last several years started using more like interfacing like on my garments and stuff. So like some of the um, shirts that I did, I would I lined them for the fashion show just to make sure that they're like more heavy, like some of the fabric was kind of lightweight to give it more of a shape and more um, weight to it just so that it flows better and then also kind of like smooths everything out on the model if that makes sense yeah yeah I mean it, it holds its shape a little better 
yeah. instead of like this t-shirt that I have that's all wrinkly and <laughs> yeah. very comfy. <laughs> so does your engineering brain really kick in? Do you think that that has a big influence on everything? Yeah, I think it does, um, which may surprise some people. People probably think that engineering and sewing are totally different, but um, I see it like for me, so my mom watching her show, like her process of sewing versus like my process of sewing are two very different processes. Neither one is like good or bad. They're just two different processes because she's not an engineer like me. So, um, but she still makes beautiful stuff. And then, um, so I'm very like methodical in my approach. Um, like I said, I, for me, everything has to be straight. Everything has to be, um, you know, measured and everything like that. And then, um, actually in my work, so my engineering job, um, I design HVAC systems. And so it's a different type. I'm designing something different, but I'm still designing. I'm still problem solving in both of them. Um, yeah. You know, when something goes wrong, you got to figure have that engineering uh, or that problem solving to figure out how to get stuff to work right. And then I actually, um, also in our work, I work in our Native American market sector. And so a lot of the tribes I do are actually tribe projects for tribes. Um, so casinos, um, we do community centers, um, like tribal headquarters and stuff like that. So it's kind of really interesting to how those have kind of overlapped. Um, it's fun to do both of them. <laughs> <laughs> so does it help you draft your own sewing patterns or do you start from an existing pattern? So I do, I kind of draft a lot of my own patterns. Um, if I'm being honest, I don't like using patterns that much, which I think is why I like, I like really like making skirts. Um, making tops is always kind of more of a challenge to me. Um, but like in like vests or like the jackets that I make, I, a lot of times will start with like a pattern, like as a base and just to get kind of like the shape and everything, and then go from there and kind of, um, use my own, like I kind of, edit it or whatever you know make it my own do different stuff to it um with like those patterns as like a base versus like following the patterns exactly usually well and your your gentleman did you you didn't have a chance to measure them before the show did you and no fit. So, <laughs> yes I, I was so excited that everything fit um I was honestly very nervous about everything fit. I was like <laughs> this is either gonna be too tight or be way too big um I did have their measurements, but sometimes having measurements is very different than like putting it on someone and seeing how it fits. So I was very excited that everything fit. <laughs> and beautiful. I mean, really fit beautifully. So yeah. I was very impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Like I said, I'm just so, was so relieved when, it, when they put them on, I was like, okay, good. It fits. <laughs> <laughs> so how does one, how, how did you even become aware of the Teton trade fashion summit and apply and all of that process. Can you walk us through it? Yeah. So this was my first uh, major fashion show. So I, I did like a small like fashion showcase several years ago, but it wasn't like a full like fashion production. Um, so the way that I found this fashion show was actually, um, so since I live in Oklahoma city, which is where the first Americans museum is, um, you know, we go to a lot of events at the fan museum um and so i went actually went to the show last year i didn't go to the show but i went to the fashion summit and so i kind of knew about that and then i follow teton a lot um and so then when the applicants came out this year i was like okay like i don't know if i'm gonna get this like a little bit of that like imposter syndrome like 
knowing, seeing all the designers last year that are like, you know, people that I look up to or designers that I've been following a long time, like, well, I don't know if I'm good enough for this, but I'm going to apply and see what happens. And then I was uh, very excited to be accepted. And then once I was accepted, it was excitement, but also, oh no, no, I have to make a bunch of clothes. (laughs) (laughs) So, but it was good. It turned out really good. Um, Very. How much, how long does that like process take from like applying and then getting the green light and then having to make the stuff? Yeah, so I applied. I don't remember when I applied, but I want to say it was about a month or two um, because I applied like right when the applications came out until they like started notifying all the artists that they were accepted. And then from that time until the show was, I think, about two months um, of time. And so then I spent basically the whole time sewing um, a lot of times on weekends Um, as the show got closer, a lot of nights working, trying to get all of my stuff done. Um, so like the first, after I found out like the first week or two was honestly just like sitting down and trying to like going through, like picking fabrics, like trying to decide on designs, like, you know, looking through stuff for inspiration. And, um, before I really started sewing, you know, like getting everything set up so I could start sewing. And you, you had a lot of support. Yes. I'm assuming (laughs) during all of this time. Yeah. So I had, um, so the sewing, you know, was kind of like all something I had to go through myself. But then my partner, Adam, um, he's so supportive of me. So we have a daughter. She's four. Um, so he was very helpful and kind of like keeping her wrinkled and like out of my hair during the time when I was trying to sew because um, she is she's very creative, too. So, of course, she's like, oh, mom, what are you doing? Like, oh, I want to do stuff, too. But, you know, <laughs> she's only four, so she can't really do any of that. And then for um a lot of the stuff out so the fashion show takes a lot of stuff besides just the sewing so picking all my models um and then recruiting people to help be my models so um the hardest part about the models was recruiting uh guys to model so Mm -hmm. if there's any guys that are thinking about modeling and you see some applications I say you know really encourage you to apply for that because it seems like there's always like a need for um male models and female models too like it's was really fun to get to work with everyone. So I, I ended up know, um, knowing previously several of my models. Um, and then for hair and makeup, so my sister-in-laws, uh, Kara and Rainey. Uh, so Rainey was one of my models and then Kara is the mother of one of my models. Um, so they both helped with, with hair and makeup, which was a big relief because they're really good at that stuff and I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I know, um, I need them to come do my hair and makeup every day. I, I know. so pretty. <laughs> No, Kara did my makeup too. And like, I hardly ever wear makeup. And it's like, oh, like I get to dress up too. And I know. <laughs> so it was really helpful. So they helped me um, both plan um, all of my looks. So I sent them kind of um, pictures of a lot of my stuff that I had. And they helped me pick hair and makeup looks. And we kind of worked together to pick that. And then the day of the show, they ended up doing most of my models' um, hair and makeup, which was really helpful and a big, uh, like, help me not stress out so much about everything. (laughs) And how many models total were there for you? So I had nine models. So I had six female and three male models. Um, Overall, the show, I want to say there was like 90 models or something. Yeah. They told us, but I forgot. It was a lot of, yeah. yeah, Cause there was, there was 11 designers, including me plus three accessory designers. And so I also got to work with two of the accessory designers, which was really fun. Um, So we're, I'm probably going to say this one, we're, we're Yakwee ties. Um, 
She oh yeah for the yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah so she were so made the cool. brown ties. Yeah, and so I've actually been following her on Instagram for a while. So when I saw her name pop up as one of the accessory designers, I was like, oh cool, like I can work with her and not have to make ties for my models myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was really fun to work with her. And then um Snow Inc. was the designer that um did like the beaded body chain. So it was fun oh to work gosh. with her too. So those were stunning. <laughs> They yeah. look so good on your model. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so I worked with, um, before the show, I, both of them, I had, you know, um, talked with both of them, could collaborate. And um, so for the ties, I'd sent her, like, here's the colors I'm using. Like, do you have ties that will, and so she made sure she had ties that would match. And then um, for the beaded body chains too, I showed her, like, one of my models that I wanted, the uh, ribbon pants that I wanted to match. And she showed me like what would match. And so we picked that out to make sure we would have something that would go together. So that was fun to collaborate with other artists. Yeah. I'm seeing more and more of these ribbon pants. They're <laughs> really cool. Yeah. So that's my first time making ribbon pants. Um, because to make pants, you have to use a pattern. <laughs> like I yeah. said, I'm not good at using patterns. <laughs> and again, I did. Um, so I used a pattern for that one. And then, um, kind of adjusted it a little bit, made them a little bit wider on the bottom and then added the like strip down the side to make them kind of fit my vision. So it was cool. I'll probably make yeah. more in the future. <laughs> you definitely should. I mean, it, those, those were just really fun to watch going down the runway. I mean, they were really fun. Yeah. It was cool to make those. <laughs> I've seen a lot of <laughs> other artists uh, making those. So it was cool to try something new. So why do you feel that it's important for us to take up space, Indigenous people to take up space in the fashion industry? Yeah, so um, I think, you know, Indigenous fashion is, so we've always been, um, I think Indigenous people have always been fashionable. We've always been artists. Um, we've always, you know, adapted to what, like, materials we have to make beautiful outfits and everything like that. And so I think it's um, really cool to see, like, it, kind of coming into the mainstream world more. Um, there's been, you know, so many fashion shows recently um, that are indigenous fashions. I think it's cool for everyone to showcase like the designs that they're making. There's so many people that, um, like indigenous people that are just such good artists. You know, there's people that are um, seamstress, you know, making ribbon skirts, um, even people that are just like artists that are now, doing what they usually call like ready to wear garments. So they take their art and they put it onto um, like pr produced uh, fashion, which is really cool. So I think it's just amazing to see all of um, these artists and seamstresses and everything, uh, you know, taking up space, as you said, and showcasing, um, you know, their their talents and then also showing off their um, like tribal, like so many of these are like tribally influenced by their own tribe or their own um, kind of like area or group of tribes. So it's really cool to see the difference between how everybody interprets, you know, traditional designs and traditional elements and everything. Yeah. You know, my people are from way up North in the Arctic <laughs> and I've been watching all of their fashion shows, which is really cool because the materials they use are just so vastly different from the materials used down here there's just a lot of, of fur and ivory yeah. and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then as you work your way down, there's just all these more fibers and, and different designs and 
elements that are just, it's just, it shows how diverse we all are, that we're not all leather and feather. <laughs> yeah. It's really <laughs> cool to see that too, like the different materials that people use and um, just, you can just like see the different influences on people's designs based on where they're from or the tribes that they're from, which is really cool. And then getting to share that, um, you know, fashion helps, I feel like helps people share those parts of their culture, like on a wider base, you know, and I follow a lot of designers. So it's really cool to see like how they all use stuff differently and stuff like that. <laughs> um, one of my questions that I asked some other people are, where do you fall in the definition of cultural appropriation versus appreciation when it comes to like non-natives wearing your designs? Yeah. So that's, um, I think something that every designer probably sees a little bit differently. Um, but to me, like, you know, so like ribbon skirts and something would be more for native people. Um, so like, I guess garments that people like hand produce could a lot of times be more like specifically for other native people. Um, and then like what they call like the, like I mentioned, they're ready to wear fashion where they're, um, you know, putting their designs on skirts and dresses or shirts and stuff like that. Um, I think there's more of a consensus that kind of like anybody can wear those, um, you know, as long as you're, appreciating them and not appropriating them so you're understanding like where those designs come from or um understanding like those designers and not trying to I guess take that for yourself and making sure that the people that you're buying um like these art or garments from are indigenous artists and not like mass produced they're not you know some non-native that's like stealing designs to just try to tap into this indigenous fashion industry Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the that's part of the Indian Arts and Crafts Act, where the federal government protects native made art. Yeah. To keep the counterfeiters from exploiting that. Yeah. Which is an important thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you see that more like with like t-shirts and stuff where people are trying to like appropriate designs or kind of like make like I guess pan Indian is what you would call it designs that are like you know as you said like just feathers and teepees and stuff that people would normally think about uh but people that aren't native think about native that if they don't really know the different cultures and stuff like that so that's something to think about too yeah because I'm I'm guessing that y'all don't live in teepees historically <laughs> we, we no. don't <laughs> no it's the southeastern tribes um we're like his very historically like mound builder societies is what they call them which the fame museum that's kind of where they got the inspiration for like the mound in the back was our southeastern people um you know and we had more permanent um societies or permanent homes like in our societies we had towns and everything within our tribe um and they were almost always built along rivers or fresh water sources so we were not tp or nomadic people <laughs> Right. <laughs> what are you looking forward to for the rest of the year fashion-wise? Um, so I don't have any other fashion shows lined up yet. Um, I think once I take a little bit more of a break, I'll be more excited to <laughs> maybe think about <laughs> doing more fashion shows in this 
in the future. Um, but as far as like my sewing goes, so our ceremonies are in the summer and we always make um, new garments for that. And so our ceremonies are like a celebration of the new year. And so we um, try to, it's like a renewal of life, uh, the new crops, and then like, I guess like a mindset renewal. So we always have like new clothes and everything. So I'll be working on sewing everything for myself and my family. Um, so that's something that I've been doing since I was, so I started making my own um, outfits when I was 16. And then shortly after that, started making stuff for my nieces and my nephew and then started making stuff for my parents and now my daughter. So yeah, I'll be working on all of that next. <laughs> <laughs> Your daughter, what do you think she's going to end up doing? She's, I mean, that is one creative little girl. <laughs> yeah, she's very creative. So, um, so her dad's an artist. So uh, I think she gets definitely her creativity from both of us. Um, so he does a lot of uh, drawing and like graphic art. Um, and so she's a very good artist already. And then recently she's been trying to talk me into buying her. Like they have those little like toy, toy sewing machines at Walmart or Target. Now she's like convinced herself that she needs one of those. So <laughs> so maybe in a few years I'd be able to teach her how to sew too because she's uh, already a little you know, creative. And she's a little fashionista too. Like she's way more fashionable than me. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, like, she is way more fashionable than any of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she like exclusively wears dresses. She loves like pretty, like frilly little dresses with like, you know, all the glitter, all the ruffles and everything. So I'm she sure had on these this pair of boots <laughs> that were adorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she loves she loves wearing high heels, which is another thing that's like totally opposite of me because I could barely walk in high heels. <laughs> but she's she's very confident herself, which I love. So, oh, she's wonderful. She's so, and we we have a little <laughs> treat from her for our listeners later on in the show. So they have that yeah. to look forward to. <laughs> mm-hmm. She she might just go off and just do be a performer. Yeah, I'm sure she will. She's will outshine. <laughs> Me and her dad, for sure. <laughs> She's always the life of the party. I love it. <laughs> oh, she didn't know a stranger at that fashion show. No. Not at no, all. No, she's <laughs> very outgoing, which definitely does not get that from me because I am the opposite. <laughs> who inspires you? Tell us who inspires you. So I'm inspired by a lot of people. So I don't. Um, I actually don't follow like mainstream fashion that much, um, but I follow like indigenous fashion a lot. So um, I haven't, like I said, I have an Instagram. So I follow like all these people on Instagram. They're just amazing artists, amazing designers. So um, some of like the um, main ones that I've been following. So Lauren Goodday, Redberry Woman, Designs by Della. So Designs by Della was actually one of the designers there. And so they're kind of like the first ones that I started seeing when um, like several years ago, like five or so years ago when indigenous fashion really started taking off. So it's been, it was really cool to see how they kind of like integrated, like they kind of started doing like, um, like I guess you would say like prom or like, um, like very like high fashion stuff, but then using like native designs integrated into that. So that was really cool to see. Um, and then there's, uh, other ones that I follow, so we won't be. Um, so she's from Oklahoma, so it's been really cool to see all of her designs. So she was one of the designers last year at the fashion show, and then now I've kind of like become friends with her, which is like becoming friends with some of these people is kind of surreal to me because it's like, oh, they're, they're just, like fancy designers, but you know. Um, and she was really helpful in helping me find a few of my models, and then um, 
so one of my cousins, uh, her Instagram is made by Michaela. So she does a lot of really pretty, um, like ribbon skirts and everything. So inspired by her. Um, and then there's just so many to, too many to list almost. I know. Um, but, that, you know. <laughs> I mean, Instagram is so great to find artists like that. Yes. It's so cool to follow them. And it also gets expensive because then you start seeing all these cool yeah. designs and you're like, oh, I want to buy everything. Like native fashion so many like I found so many like earring artists I have so many a big collection of earrings thanks to Instagram (laughs) same that was my quarantine pastime was collecting earrings (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's it's cool to see like earrings too like uh it's like another form of native fashion you know seeing people how they again use their tribal designs and uh use like different materials and stuff like that. Like I have some parfletch earrings, um, quill work earrings, a bunch of beaded earrings. And then, um, so like WLP and some other people, um, Creative Native by Kristen. So she, they both do um, like, I guess, laser cut, like acrylic mm-hmm. earrings. So it's really cool to see like that becoming like more popular. Like they are using their designs and making earrings out of them, which is really cool. I I am obsessed with acrylic earrings. I love them. I, I'm not afraid. I mean, if I break them, I would be heartbroken, but you know, at least it's not something like my ivory and yeah, <laughs> my, you know, stuff like that that I have to worry about. And, and plus they're so flashy, Yeah, you know, people notice them and they're just like blown away by them and yeah. always ask me about them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I get all kinds of compliments, too, when I go out wearing, like, my big, flashy earrings. Like, I'm not a big, flashy (laughs) person, but when it comes to earrings, like, yes, give me some big, flashy earrings. It's cool to get compliments from so many, like, even non-native people, like, oh, I love your earrings. And then, especially with, like, quill work earrings, too, it's, like, cool to say, like, oh, these are made of porcupine quills. And they're like, oh, my gosh, like, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a medium I haven't even gotten close to trying. It looks very intricate. (laughs) Yeah, it does look very interesting. I actually bought like a quill work um, kit recently to try to make some quill work greens. I haven't started it yet because I've been busy with the fashion show, but I'm also a little bit scared to do it. <laughs> yeah. But, and I like, I I do some beading, like I've done some beading in the past. I don't do like a ton of it. Like I learned how to do it, and but I feel like I'm better at sewing. So I've kind of stuck to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so any long range plans about ready to wear? anything t-shirts graphic t-shirts like that, like yes. you were talking about <laughs> yeah so for me personally I feel like I'm gonna stick to the more I guess they call it like couture so like handmade stuff um I've feel like I'm better at like creating stuff like with pre-existing materials like versus like I'm not really like good at drawing or like graphic artists art stuff so for me I'll probably stick to like the more um stuff that I create like with my sewing machine and stuff like that yeah. Oh, but, did you watch the Met Gala? Did you see what Quana Chasing Horse was wearing? Oh, yeah, that was beautiful. So I think I think she went, didn't she go last year and also had some like beadwork stuff? So that's really cool to see yeah. again, to see like beadwork stuff being um, integrated into like these high fashion areas. So mm-hmm. showing off our tribal cultures and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's such a great ambassador. And I'm sure she's just inundated with people wanting to... <laughs> her to wear their stuff so I don't know how yeah. she would ever pick <laughs> yeah sure it's 
really cool to be able to work with like these really like I guess high profile beaters Mm -hmm. and it's cool so uh like even watching like Rutherford Falls and uh Res Dogs has been really cool to see like all of like the earrings and uh like native designs or like clothing that they've brought into that too and then finding new beadwork artists to follow because of the you know it's cool to see like uh when
Mina tata tissis, nana chihi a Tana ha, cha ni ha, ta ni cha na ha, hu hu Yay! Is there another verse? Yeah. <laughs> not snow ek, no mo esk. Not snow ek, no mo esk. Not tatamo, no don't, no star, no stack. Not snow ek, no mo esk, no mo esk.